Montreal Canadiens hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL Football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM 690. Saturday, Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John Still with you till noon. Yes, we are at a, or no, you see, I already messed up, John. You should buzz me there. We're not with you till noon. We're with you till one. It's a new time. New time. Yeah, yeah, new time. Saturday Sports, 11 to 1. We got bumped by Macramala, who's now going from uh, 10 to 11. Uh, but uh, hey, it's an extra hour of sleep for me, not an extra hour of sleep for John Still. We've got a busy show lined up for you. Uh, we will be talking to new Alouettes defensive coordinator. He's a Canadian Football Hall of Famer, Baron Miles. Uh, that goes just after 11.35. We'll talk to the newest left back for the Montreal Impact, Zorhan Basson. He will join us just after noon. And then finally, he's back. He's going to be joining us from London, England. He will be talking football, but probably not the football you're expecting. He's our NFL analyst, Jeff Reinbold. That goes just after 12.35. You can get in touch with the program a couple different ways. You can text us at 1169 or you can tweet me at Joey Alfieri and at TSN690 as well. But I do want to start with the Montreal Canadiens and the Patrick Roy trade. TSN690 did a great job on Wednesday to commemorate the 25th anniversary of Roy's last game as a half. It's fascinating, right? It's one of those car accident moments. It's so bad you can't look away. It's also a painful memory because it's one of the moves that clearly set the franchise back a number of years. The trade was terrible. Marty Ruchinski, Justin Sebo, Andre Kovalenko, Farrar, and Mike Keane, I don't have to remind you. But hearing people talk about the trade as the catalyst for the Canadians' failure for years, I don't know. I don't think that singular moment is what made the Habs mediocre throughout my youth. A few things happened. They traded Chris Chelios in a second away for Denny Savard in June of 1990. Yes, they gave a second round pick with Chris Chelios for Denny Savard. They traded Eric Desjardins and John Leclerc for Mark Recchi. That was in February of 95. Then they went they went back and traded Recchi away for Danny Zubris in March of 99. And then they turned Zubris and Trevor Linden in a second for Zednik, Bulis, and a first, who ended up being uh, Andre Perjogan in March 2001. I mean, those are moves that in a decade set you back. Was the raw trade a debacle? Sure. Could he have masked a lot of the warts that the Canadians ended up having in the years that followed? Had he stuck around? Sure. But I'm really not sure the Habs would have had much success even if they had Patrick Roy just because they were so bad. And... You look at the you you look at the names that I just mentioned: Chelios, Desjardins, Leclerc. Recky was was great. Loved Mark Recky in a Canadian's uniform. 
But then you end up moving him for a guy who is not a Hall of Fame talent. And I liked I liked Zubris. I liked him a lot. But I think they expected more out of him than what they ended up getting. And I remember, you know, just to kind of put it in context for you, the Canadians quote unquote big line back in the you know the early two thousands, it ended up being Zubris, Sergei Zoltok, and Oleg Petrov. And I, I like the line, don't get me wrong, but it probably shouldn't be your first or second line on an NHL team. And and that's why, you know, the Canadians struggled. So was the Patrick Roy trade terrible? Yeah, of course it was terrible. But given everything else that happened before and after, you know, those three, four years before, those four, five years after, I mean, it was a decade where it was one bad mood after bad move after the next. And yeah, oftentimes we were in a bad mood. But the ironic thing, this is the funny part, is that three goalies have won the Hart Trophy since Patrick Roy was traded from the Montreal Canadiens. Dominic Hasek was one. The other two are Carey Price and Jose Theodore. So the Canadians have found solid goaltending. And even the guys who weren't great but were very, very good, you know, I'm thinking of a guy like Jeff Hackett. You know, they even had, you know, Yaroslav Halak came through. Jocelyn Thibault wasn't a bad goalie. It's just, it was huge shoes to fill, huge skates to fill. So it's funny how they ended up figuring out the goaltending position eventually with Theodore Price. Halak had a run as well. Cristobal Huey uh, had, a, had a short run there too. But they could just, they were never really able to figure out the rest. And you look at the moves or some of the moves that hurt them. You know, a Norris Trophy winning defenseman goes out the door. Your Stanley Cup playoff hero in 93 and Desjardins and Leclerc. You know, he's out the door as well. He ended up becoming an impact power forward. And yeah, the Patrick Watt trade hurts because you didn't really get enough. You didn't get anywhere close to enough. But it's not the singular move that set them back. Everything around it set them back too. So it just it just this whole week, the twenty five years of the, you know, Roy being moved and you know, it just it all came flooding back to me this week. And uh, TSN 69, if you missed anything uh, from the broadcast week, I, I, especially from Wednesday, uh, Yvon Cornoyer was on. He was an assistant coach on that 95 team Raw was traded from. So was Steve Shutt. Uh, Mark Recchi was on, was on with, uh, with us on Melnick in the afternoon as well. Scotty Bowman came on. We, we had a lot of guests. The, the, Ronald Corey, the president of the Canadians at the time, went on with Knuckles. So if you missed any of that, I encourage you to you know take an hour and go and listen to the audio available on the TSN six ninety podcast page. But it just it all came flooding back to me this week of those those mediocre late nineties years, and really there was nothing to write home about. And this is going to sound funny, but until Theodore won the MVP in two thousand and two. And they beat the Bruins. Koivu came back from cancer. Richard Zenick was laid out in the playoffs by Kyle McLaren. The Canadians fought back. The Bruins were were whining because they were saying that Jose Theodore's jersey was was too big and too baggy. The guy was like 5'10", 185 pounds. But he'd gotten in their heads. And then they ended up getting annihilated by Carolina in the next round. But it's just funny that you didn't really have any signature moments in the years after the Patrick Roy trade, but I don't think it was all because of the Patrick Roy trade. That sort of 
got the gears turning, and it that's where I want to go with the Saturday sports question of the day, uh, which you can find at Joey Alfieri and at TSN690 on Twitter. And very simply, which of these post-Patrick Wahab starting goalies was your favorite? And I took away the two Hart Trophy winners. I also took away Yaroslav Halak. You've got three options. Just Lang Thibault, Jeff Hackett, Cristobal Huey. And now it's time to get my boy's answer. Jay Stills, what's up? What's going on? Joey, how are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic now that I've seen you, Johnny. That's adorable. Yeah. So how, just out of curiosity, how old are you? You're a little younger than me. How old were you? I mean, you? you're younger than you, yeah. Right. So how, how old were you when the Wah thing went down? Uh, Four? Right. That must have been it. Four yeah. or five years old. It was um, two days before my sixth birthday. Yeah, so it was 1995. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, 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 I remember it. Like, I remember everything going down, but obviously the scandalous details that have come out since, I, I you know, I had no recollection in the in the moment. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> I remember doing a lot of digging into this when I was a kid because, again, um, the reason that I do what I do now is because I've been obsessed with sports since I was basically five years old, and reading up on the glorious Habs dynasties of the 60s and the 50s and the 70s, you start to think, well, what has gone wrong? Because the team that I'm watching today is just absolutely terrible. And if I could use a kind of a macabre analogy to a describe... What? You can't You can't use those big words on a Saturday morning. Macabre, it means uh, dark. Uh, a dark, uh, twisted way of, of looking at this Patrick Watch raid. Um, it's way too big a word. You don't want to be... I mean, no one wants to be shot, but I mean, if you're if you're going to be uh, if you're going to be shot and you know it's uh, it's the end, you'd rather take one in the head and uh, it's over with. What? It seems like this was the first shotgun shot to the chest for the Montreal Canadiens, more so than something that was quick and painless, and that was the end of the Montreal Canadiens being terrible for the latter part of the '90s and the early part of the 2000s. I mean, you you brought up some great points there. Uh, I think. You can go to everything that Rajon Ull did, not only in terms of drafting, but obviously the trades. But yeah, the drafting certainly drafting didn't help. Drafting was disastrous. And then you go and, I mean, we didn't even mention Pierre Turgeon or Vincent Danfus yeah. as guys who were also jettisoned out yeah. of town under Rajon Ull and then replaced by Andre Savard for two years before it goes to, to Bob Gainey. But there is a symbolic, um, a symbolic end to the greatness of the Montreal Canadiens with Patrick Waugh, because with all due respect to all the other guys that you mentioned, um, they're not top five players at their position all time. So uh, I get the uh, I get the celebration or the lack of celebration every year for Patrick Waugh being traded away from the Montreal Canadiens. He should have stayed with the Canadiens. He should have retired as a Montreal Canadian. But um, I also am not just a huge fan now of continuously looking back i i don't know when i don't know when people will ever get over the patrick watt trade i don't know if it'll ever happen really but uh it just seemed like that was more of the beginning of the end rather than a real finality to the canadians being being good because right. the subsequent moves also uh completely handicapped and uh Kind of destroyed the reputation for the Canadians for the better part yeah. of the next fifteen years. Yeah, it's fair. I, I think it's it was kind of it's it was more. It's not fair to call it the cherry on the Sunday because I think it was a little more than that. I think like it's it's the ice cream of the Sunday, the Patrick Watt trade. But at the same time, there was so much around it 
that just went horribly wrong. So many moves, key moves. Like you're talking about Hall of Famers, man. You know, like you got, and, and I realized they won the cup after they, a couple of years after they traded Chris Chelios away. But you see the shots of them winning the cup in 93. Denny Savard was in a suit. He was in the press box. You know, he came down to the ice to, to, to hoist the Stanley Cup, and that was a big emotional moment. It was very cool. But at the same time, he wasn't really a, a valuable contributor during that run. You know, and then the two guys that were, like we mentioned, Desjardins and Leclerc, they're out for Recchi, who is a, you know, he's a Hockey Hall of Famer. And then whatever the reasons were, they had to move on from Recchi. Recchi continued to do well. And you just, you kept downgrading and downgrading and downgrading until you really had nothing left outside of Koivu. Like, you didn't really have anything left. So, you know, even those bad teams in the late 90s, early 2000s, they were terrible. But they had like, a, they have a, this is going to sound corny to say, but they had a special place in my heart because those are the first teams that I... I know. Followed like I'm every single day, and Bro- they were in my home city. Brian Savage, Martin Ruchinsky, loved Martin Ruchinsky, loved those guys, loved I mean, every one of those guys you I mentioned. Know. I know, I but they're not first too. or or they're borderline second line players, like at the best. And I remember, I, I can remember distinctly um, the snickering and the laughing kind of around my kitchen table for especially my dad and cousins and. Everyone who'd seen such unbelievable years yeah. for the Canadians, and I'm like, yeah, Oleg Petrov is great. And they just kind of <laughs> laugh at you. But um, I, I think, again, looking at the Patrick Watt trade, I think it's more of a devastating uh, feeling for the Francophone community here in Quebec. I mean, no, I, I, I think it was devastating for everybody. But, but there's never been a French-Canadian superstar since Patrick Waugh for the Montreal Canadiens. And that has been such an identity of the Montreal Canadiens throughout the glory years was that there was always a French-Canadian who was unbelievable for the Habs. And for whatever reason, they haven't been able... I mean, whatever reason. We can get into a whole other show about why that hasn't happened (laughs) since then. But, I mean, I think it's particularly uh, challenging and difficult to get over for the French community because Patrick Waugh was, uh, and to, in my mind, is the greatest goaltender of all time. And ever since then, they've been crying out for a francophone hero in the province, and it just has not happened. Yeah, I don't even know if it's so much uh, a francophone hero as much as much as it's a hero. Of course, the you know the francophone part helps. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's it's been bad. There's there's no ways around it. And yes, there's been spurts where yes, the Canadians uh, was it two thousand and Eight, that they finished first in the conference and they mm-hmm. shocked everybody. Um, the year Kovalev had a point per game. There's the Halak run. So, you know, in terms of singular moments, there's there's some great ones. Like they went to the conference final the year that Kreider ran into Price. Like there's been – it hasn't been all bad, don't get me wrong. But in terms of, you know, being the model franchise in the NHL, and I realize that there's more teams, there's a salary cap and all that stuff. But I've never – I've never experienced that. I'm 30, and I've never seen the Canadians be the model franchise for years and years and years and years. Well, just picking up on what you just said there, obvious greatness. I mean, you you spoke about Yaroslav Halak. Um, That was a spring. 
But that's what I mean, is that is it obvious greatness, Yaroslav Halak getting to the Eastern Conference final and backstopping a porous Canadian team to get there? No offense to the guys on that team. But yeah, then you're looking at, wow, Alex Kovalev have more than 80 points in a season. Like this is, these are the benchmarks for people of our generation and the greatness of the Canadians kind of ended up until we'll see what they can do under this next installment of the Habs. But there's been nothing close to that greatness uh, since Patrick Waugh was traded away. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And uh, Saturday Sports, TSN 690. At a new time, we start at 11. We finish at 1. We're just breaking down uh, the Montreal Canadiens, the Patrick Waugh moment uh, that we celebrated this year. Uh, yeah, look, I-, I think you bring up a lot of good points, John. I-, I-, I just I have a hard time singling that one moment out as the downfall of the Montreal Canadiens. I think that you have to put it in context. There was a lot around there. Um, and I don't know, man. I'm just, I, I hope we can get to the point one day where we can move past this. But I just I don't see that. Like, Patrick Waugh was just too big to ever get past this. And... It's funny, just looking at uh, looking at the text message board, uh, we have a text coming in. People will get over the Patrick Waugh trade the day the Canadians win the Stanley Cup. I, I don't think that's coming in. No name on that at 11690. I, I just I don't think that that's ever going to happen. Like, are we going to stop talking about the Patrick Waugh trade once the Canadians... Like, there was just too long a period of me- mediocrity, John. That will never, ever, ever move past that. Even if the Canadians win a Stanley Cup, it'll always be, hey, remember the mid-late 90s and early 2000s, how bad the Canadians were? when they, like This is not one of the worst trades in Canadians' franchise history. It's also one of the worst trades in NHL history. So I don't know if, if as a hockey community here in Montreal, we're ever going to move past it. But at the same time... It is significant. It is a significant moment in history because the most successful franchise in hockey history ends up getting, you know, punched in the gut, two couple black eyes as well, and they suffer through all the this this pain and all these years of mediocrity in part because of that deal. Just my point was, I just I don't think it's a singular moment that made the Canadians bad and and I realize, you know, like you said, it's the, the the francophone greatest goalie, arguably of all time, gets moved out of his home province. So it is that sexy storyline, right? Like that is the hey, this was the downfall of the Canadians, and it was a big reason for it. But let's not forget all the moves around. That was my point. Uh, I didn't get your thoughts on the uh, Saturday sports uh, question of the day, Go ahead. Uh, which again, which of these post Patrick Wahab starting goalies was your favorite? And I am taking away uh, Carey Price. I'm taking away Jose Theodore. And I'm not even putting Yaroslav Halak on there. I wanted to make this poll competitive. Uh, your options are Justline Thibault, Jeff Hackett, Cristobal Huey. This one is very, very easy for me. I'm very curious to know where you're leaning here. Uh, Justline Thibault was kind enough at uh, the uh, Cat Glass uh, Pierrefonds Arena when yeah. I was about seven or eight years old to uh, sign a whole bunch of stuff for me uh, and uh, meet me and talk to me. I believe I even had my picture taken in the Gazette along with Justin Thibault. So really? That's obviously Did you keep the, it? I think it's somewhere in my parents' wow. house. Wow. But um, I believe that that would be my answer if I had to guess other people's answers. 
Somebody Probably say somebody, Jeff Hackett. Somebody, oh, Jeff Hackett has some kind of a cult following here in, in Montreal. And I'm, I'm right here. I'm there right at go. the top, there right at the forefront of that cult following. Uh, but Cristobal Huey, I guess he's more recent history as well. Uh, and he did have some success here before they traded him to Washington, and he signed that mega deal with Chicago. Uh, but Cristobal Huey leading the way at 56%. Jeff Hackett, 33%. And I figured that Justin Cebo, um would be in last just because he's the one who kind of got the raw deal. He's the francophone local kid who had to fill in and replace Patrick Roy, and it never ended up working out. But I love Jeff Hackett, and I say this all the time. That is my favorite goalie mask that I've seen <laughs> on a Canadian's goalie. I don't know if it's because I was really young, but I l- absolutely love that goalie mask. It was uh, dark blue. It was like the, the the night sky, and he had a young Canadian, a young kid decked in the red Canadian's jersey and a toque on one side of the mask, like on the top right side of the head. And then he had another kid, but then the white Canadian's jersey playing like street hockey. And they had both of these kids on either side of his mask. And I, just, I loved, I absolutely loved that goalie mask. I really, really loved Jeff Hackett when he was here. I think that Jeff Hackett is... I don't want to say one of the most underrated goalies of all time, but I definitely think that his career doesn't get enough recognition. You know, I know he moved around a lot, and he doesn't necessarily get the the love he deserved because he was a very solid goaltender. And I don't know if you remember this, but when the Montreal Canadiens, well, obviously the first trade was they traded Cebo, uh, Dave Manson, and Brad Brown, to Chicago, and they got Jeff Hackett, Eric Weinrich, and Alain Nasruddin. And there was a pick in there. I forget who got the pick. Love that deal. I loved Eric Weinrich. I just, it was like, it's just, the again. Yellow tinted visor. Yes. It's one of those, like, niche late 90s Montreal Canadiens moves that I just, I always loved. But then, do you remember what happened when they traded Jeff Hackett? No, I do not. So they traded Jeff Hackett to the San Jose Sharks, and they got that. Uh, Swedish defensive forward Nicholas Sundstrom or Sandstrom I think it was Sundstrom but what happened so that was with San Jose Canadians sent Hackett to San Jose that same day the San Jose Sharks traded Jeff Hackett to the Boston Bruins for Kyle McLaren so San Jose went behind Montreal's back. I'm, I'm presuming <laughs> that the Canadians didn't want to trade Jeff Hackett to the Boston Bruins. Right. So they traded him to San Jose out west where they wouldn't have to see him. But then he ended up getting shipped to Boston the very same day. Very, very sneaky. Opening the lines of communication that would become the Joe Thornton deal, I guess. Yeah, but, and, uh, and Kyle McLaren, of course, you know, that was at the time those big, rugged, stay-at-home defensemen were very popular, and the Canadians didn't have enough bite, and I I was furious. I was like, Canadians could have had comic. I was way more upset than I should have been. Uh, I would love to hear you suggest, just hearing you describe Jeff Hackett's mask that I haven't remembered in a long time. Yeah. I have a feeling it would look very good on the new reverse retro jerseys. And Oh, uh, yeah, it's all blue. That's what I mean. Mostly I know blue. I know uh, Carey Price and uh, his artists do uh, pretty damn good work, yeah. but maybe a, uh, a strange throwback suggestion for Carey Price would be uh, Jeff Hackett's uh, mask for the reverse yeah. retro games. That wouldn't be a bad one. And it was it was hard. when he ended up in Boston. Like he didn't obviously he didn't even go to San Jose, right? Like he was in San Jose. That's where he started his career. Or was he in San Jose first or the Islanders first? I can't remember. But he was in San Jose previously. But the second time around, he didn't even go to San Jose. He went straight to Boston, right? It 
broke my like nine-year-old heart <laughs> to see that beautiful Montreal Canadiens goalie mask turned into the same thing, but with the Boston, the kids wearing the Boston Bruins jersey. It was absolutely terrible. I hated that. <laughs> I hated that moment. But love Jeff Hackett. Jeff Hackett would totally be my vote. And I feel uh, for Jocelyn Thibault. I feel for for you know everything that you know the way it ended up working out here uh, post Patrick Roy. But that is our Saturday sports question of the day. Which of these sports? Uh, which of these post Patrick Wahab starting goalies was your favorite? Uh, you can vote Jocelyn Thibault, Jeff Hackett, or Cristobal Huet. It is Saturday sports on TSN six ninety. It's always nice to get a promotion. No, not me. Not John Still. Those have seemingly become rare during the pandemic. But longtime Alouette's DB, Baron Miles got one. How did he become the defensive coordinator? He'll tell us in Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Montreal Canadiens Hockey. Montreal Impact Soccer. Major League Baseball. NFL Football. The Masters. Olympics. And so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSN 690. Welcome back. Saturday Sports at a new time. We're on 11 to 1. Joey Alfieri, John Still uh, with you till 1 p.m. Uh, we will be talking NFL football with uh, Ticat Special Teams Coordinator and Sky Sports NFL Analyst Jeff Reinbold. Not in Hawaii this week. He's back in London. Uh, we will be talking to Jeff uh, just after 12.35. We'll also be talking to Zorhan Basson, uh, the Montreal Impact's new left back. He'll join us in less than 30 minutes' time. But it's a pleasure to welcome to the show for the first time. He's Hall of Fame defensive back. Uh, long-time coach in the CFL as well, and he got the promotion this week, defensive coordinator of the Montreal Alouettes, Baron Miles. Baron, what's going on? Not much. Uh, thanks for inviting me up. Yeah, no, thanks for, co- thanks for coming on. Uh, we appreciate it very much. And I'm just curious, um, with Kahari, how many times do you think you picked Kahari off during your career? <laughs> One time. We finally, the, the debate is finally over. I told him I intercepted him, <laughs> and... Uh, when uh, I got hired, some of the media guys must have did the research and found that I picked them off. And he 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 conceded that uh, I did do the um, I did get the interception on him. So I told him I got every every quarterback in the CFL that I was playing against. So he he was included. So what do you remember about that? Honestly, I don't remember too much <laughs> because they had so many weapons that they were scoring on everybody. So I don't me getting one interception, I'm I'm pretty sure he he got me beat by throwing a touchdown on me more than one time. So Yeah, but the rule the, the rules are geared for quarterback success. Come on. It is. And <laughs> as as a, as a DB, I have a short memory. I, I don't remember too much of it. I just remember all the good stuff. Give me the uh, give me the that's 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 good. I, I wish I could do that too. Uh, but uh, give me the scouting report on Kahari Jones, the quarterback. Um, actually, it's more or less Kahari Jones, and depends on which receivers in the game. If Milk's in the game, yeah. you can get you're gonna get choice routes, um, and they're gonna decide which way the DB is playing, and they're gonna throw opposite, but they're gonna throw each other. He's gonna throw Milt open. And Mill always thinks he's open, so that's a good thing. Um, if he has, if he had Bobby Gorgeous. Um, he just want to run a go route, and he's going to try to muscle you because he got all those muscles. Um, and Kahari's going to find him. So you kind of got to know who's on the field at what time and what position to know where Kahari's going to go with the ball. Um, very uh, astute quarterback. Will call his own plays. Has called his own plays. And um, the gamer 
um, when it came to come to making plays. So um, you got to be on your toes, but you also got to know the game inside and out when you're playing these guys. He's Alouette's defensive coordinator, Baron Miles, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. So how did this come about, Baron? Like how, how, when did they approach you about potentially being the defensive coordinator? And just maybe take me through the timeline here. Um, I, I mean, we've, like, me and Kahari has been friends, and you, you gain friends throughout the league, and um, you talk to each other at games and different things like that, especially being on opposite teams. Or you might be on the same team, but um, we just happen to be on the opposite teams. And when we meet, you know, you always have those conversations, especially when we have dinner and stuff like that. Um, hey, man, don't don't forget about me. The DC job come available, you know, I want the shot. And so we always talked about it. And then, you know, sometimes you're just playing around, but most of the time you, you, you hope for the job to come available. And when it does, um, Kahari said, hey, I got I got an opportunity for you. Um, you could become the D.C., you know. And it just happened with COVID um, causing all these problems and the salary cap hitting everybody. Uh, it was just a, a choice that, you know, it fit the ball club at the, at the moment. And, I mean, you listen, being a defensive coordinator in this league, Baron, you, I don't have to tell you, it's very challenging, but yeah. you've seen your staff. You know you're not going to get the typical staff that a defensive coordinator uh, would get. The special teams uh, coach Mickey Donovan has become the linebackers coach. So I mean, you, you guys, you have Todd Howard back. So how do you guys manage with fewer bodies uh, coaching on the defensive side of the ball? It's it's going to be tough. I mean, it seemed like the story of my life. You know, you get a promotion and then hey, you can't have this and can't have that. And you're just like, man, okay, you you make it even harder for me to execute what I need to execute um, under normal circumstances. It's it's going to be a challenge, but um, it's football. You're going to make it work. You can't make football too difficult. You got to let the guys play on the field and and trust the system. And we got to put a good system in place to for the guys who just be able to play. So speaking of that that system, how much of it is in place? I mean, you you just got the job this week, right? So how much of it is in place, and what type of uh, defensive identity would you want this unit to have? Um, I guess, I mean, I would go with the traditional answer that everybody would give. You know, you want to be fast. You want to be aggressive. Um, you want to be physical. You you just want to oppose the, your will on offense, and that's what we w- we're going to want to try to do. Um, at the same time, uh, I've been around football so long. I knew I wanted to coach for so long that luckily for me, everywhere I've gone, there there was an influencer. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to just sit there and watch guys and watch the way they teach, watch the way they communicate with other coaches um, or not communicate with other coaches. And I took the good and bad from all of them, and it's me. Right. It becomes me. Mm-hmm. I get to show my... I get to show the world what Baron Miles think about football. Give me the good and bad from Don Matthews. <laughs> um, Don Matthews. Actually, Don Don was oof. Don he he loved the players and let the players go. He loved the guys that are wild and out there. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a negative as well because you know guys do crazy stuff and I'm going. 
Well, you know, when you can't play and perform the way he wants you to play, uh, you giving him an out to, to release you, mm-hmm. and and uh, that that double edged sword was there, but at the same time, the, the players loved him, and even if it's for three years, two years, whatever, while you're playing with Don, you're gonna love him, and and he just he just gave you everything to just every tool to just play the game, and um, that was exciting to see and. If you could do it, you're in the in the in the uh, ball house. I mean, in the yeah. clubhouse. Yeah, if you it. can't do it, then you're gonna be outside of it, looking in. Yeah, and I think most guys just stuck to it and and said, "Hey, okay, if you're gonna play for Don, this is what he does, and this is how he does it, and he's gonna do it his way." And as as you can see, it worked for a lot of years, and um, he had a lot of good success. Al's defensive coordinator, Baron Miles, joining us on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. Uh, so, Baron, I know you weren't here last time. There, You know, there was Canadian football. Uh, you were out in Edmonton. But uh, what do you know about this? the, the players that you have? And uh, I think it's common knowledge that one of the issues that they did have in 2019 was uh, getting to the quarterback. And I'm just curious, outside of upgrading your personnel – what can you do as a coach to make sure that your guys are able to get to the quarterback with a little bit more regularity? Because that was a problem. Um, just uh, giving them clarity, giving them uh, understanding what their job function is and when they can attack the quarterback and when they need to be playing a run. Um, just giving them clarity of how to just play the game of football. I mean, just they're grown men. They've been playing it their whole life. Maybe certain situations – I may open up a red light and I, you know, I, I can give them a green light to just say, Hey, look, play football. Don't worry about anything else. Just play football. Um, hopefully I could bring that to the table and, um, me sitting there with Todd Howard and mm-hmm. I've been around the CFL game for so long that, um, maybe my little adjustments will help them. I'm hoping that's the case. Um, I also been around the league a, a lot to know that you're going to have success. And you're going to have failures, and you got to be ready to adapt. And it's a fast-playing game, and you just got to be ready for it. Baron, I, I got the, the the press release from the CFL yesterday, and I was looking through uh, the free agents, you know, that were going to hit the market. And then four hours later, I was done reading the list. You guys have like 48 free agents, and <laughs> I know that you know you came over. Um, you know, last year was supposed to be your your first year back in Montreal, and you you brought some guys. You brought some guys with you. You know, Money Hunter was one of those guys. Taekwon yeah. Glass. I think both are going to be free agents. But if Danny Machocha, the general manager, came up to you and says, Baron, okay, which guys are the priority? Which guys do we absolutely need back ASAP? Which ones would you single out here? All the secondary guys. Okay. I, I can't. I can't. I mean, they're they're huge. They're Those, those guys, um, we may end up having some spots that are young and 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 new, but um, if if we have if I have a chance to get the guys that are free and especially Tycon Glass yeah. and Money Hunter and Deontay Evans and Reed and Carter mm-hmm. and Tamanson and I mean those guys um, I got to talk to them I got to do some little film studies with these guys and it'll be you know it'll be nice to have them back um, 
unfortunately, I think by just common sense, you're not going to have everyone back. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see, but but we'll see. I, I would love to have all the crew back, right. and it'll be just like 2020. If I can get those guys on the roster again, that would be nice. He's Baron Miles Alouette's defensive coordinator joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still. Johnny? Baron, without uh, tipping too much of your hand here, just a two-part question. In terms of the defense, uh, schematically, what are you hoping to accomplish, and uh, what do you want the hallmarks of a Baron Miles defense to look like for the Owls? <laughs> well, again, I mean, going through this 40-something-odd free agents that you talked about a minute ago, it's going to be hard because um, my perception of it, if I don't get some of those guys, it may have to change due to the fact that, you know, you're going to have new guys, so you don't want to overload them with certain things that they may it may take them half the season to get used to or to be familiar with and things like that or understanding the, the route combinations of offense and they've never seen it before. So it depends on who I have. Um, scheme-wise, I mean – I don't want to put a name on it or what it should look like or I I'd rather people be like, Hey, that's that's Baron Miles defense right there. I I'd rather somebody else tell me um what it looks like, even if it, they say it looks like trash or I don't like it. Somebody's not gonna like it. That's not my problem, but um I just think uh me saying that right now, I I'm not I'm a guarded person, so it seems like I'm rambling and don't want to tell you anything, but at the same time, um, I'm still waiting on the personnel. When we finalize that, then I'll be able to know. I have ideas of what I want to do. That's pretty much is just organizing it now and how I want to install it and put it into play. So, we, okay, we know that you're definitely the defensive coordinator and the defensive backs coach. Uh, you, right. When you were brought in, uh, they had made you the passing game coordinator as well. Does that go by the wayside now? Like, does that go to somebody else? Is Kahari going to take care of that? No, that's that's still you know I'm I was you know as a secondary coach I'm still the defensive pass game coordinator. Okay, uh, I'm the full coordinator all the way around, and um, yeah, it, right now that was just a, something that I was going to help Bob Sloak out, right? Which is a great guy. I got to know him this off season and before the season of last year. Um, yeah, we had some great conversations and things like that. So, um, what he was saying was, Hey, if I had you a few years ago, let me understand the CFL passing game, that'd have been even better. So, um, it was just one of those things, just understanding the the game and just talking to your, 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 your coaches, understanding Mickey and Todd and our communication has to be flawless and we have to understand each other and, when it's rough times, you know they're going to be there for you. Yeah, the reason I ask, Baron, is just because you were the master of blocking kicks, and I know you're going to be busy throughout this season and even in the off season. but do you have maybe 10 minutes to help Mickey Donovan out on special teams as well? Because, I mean, your plate might be a little full here. It is full, but, I mean, I mean that's part of it. Special teams is part of the game. Um, I didn't think of it as being different, um, that big of a – a difference when, uh, even when I was playing, I mean, I enjoyed special teams. I enjoyed the game period, which is, you know, um, half the battle is just enjoying it and, and playing the game, not thinking of it as a sour spot. 
But um, if Mickey asked me and Kahari, uh, Coach Jones asked me um, to lend a hand, I'm going to lend a hand for sure. That's not even a question. Baron, thanks for joining us. All the best uh, in uh, 2020, the rest of 2020, 2021, uh, and beyond with the Montreal Alouettes. And I'm just, I'm just hoping we have a season because last summer just didn't feel like a real summer without Canadian football. You're right about that. I'm looking forward to it too. That's Baron Miles. Thanks, Baron. Thank you. That's Baron Miles, defensive coordinator, uh, defensive backs coach. You heard it here, passing game coordinator, and uh, he may help out on special teams as well. Um, I just want to mention this. The, the free agent list came out yesterday, as I mentioned to Barron. Uh, the Alouettes have 48 free agents uh, that need to be re-signed. And I went through the list, and I came up with my top five free agents, the priority free agents that the Alouettes need to bring back and yes, one of them is a defensive back. We'll have that for you uh, just after 12.45, right after we talk to Jeff Reinbold, uh, who's going to break down the NFL landscape for us uh, in the second hour of the show. But coming up next, it's the disaster of the week. A youth football player in Texas gets tossed from a game and now he's facing criminal charges. What happened? We'll tell you on Saturday Sports with Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. You're home for the biggest sporting events on the planet. TSN 690. Welcome back. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John Still with you till 1 o'clock. Actually, John, are you tapping out early? Is that happening? I know it's not by your own... Yeah, I have Sorry, very important things to accomplish on this Saturday. All with right, zero fantastic. Sports. Zero. Well, that's not fair. There's sports on. Yeah, I'm going to go watch uh, actually uh, Bundesliga RB Leipzig against Bayern Munich. There that's you go. what I'll be. Uh, that's what I'll be tuning into. And well, we'll see if I can get to my house in a half an hour. All right. Me, but, yeah. uh, Zorhan Basson of the Montreal Impact just signed the local left very back. Very interesting. Will join us. Uh, speaking of soccer, in uh, about seven minutes' time, so you definitely don't want to miss that. But it is now time for the disaster of the week. And we will go to youth football in Texas because we know just how crazy and wacky things could get there. Uh, this happened on Thursday night. A South Texas high school football player was charged with assault after rushing from the sideline and knocking a referee to the ground during a game. And there's actual footage of this. So the guy, the, this kid who's wearing number 88 for uh, Edinburgh High School, uh, his name is Emmanuel Duran, he's pulled off the field by a coach after he gets he picked up a couple penalties unsportsmanlike conduct was one of them and he was ejected from the game all of a sudden like you see the official makes the call uh the offense is kind of setting up for the next play and you just see at the bottom of your screen you can see the CNN actually picked up this story as well but you just see this kid wearing 88 in blue rush towards the referee totally Blindsided him. I, I think the referee might have seen him at the last minute, but he sent the referee flying. Uh, and I, I'm watching this, and I'm just thinking to myself, uh, I watched the, what's that show on Netflix, John? Um, last Chance You. And there's brawls, like like all the joke, these juco football referees and these high school referees in these places that take it so seriously I just I don't know how they do it. They do it for the love of the game. I'm sure it's I'm sure as heck it's not for the money. But this poor official uh, did not come back to the game. Uh, they said he, that he did have uh, symptoms of a concussion, and the team Edinburgh High uh, they were suspended from competing uh, in the playoffs. 
because of this one kid who knocked the referee silly. So, Emmanuel Duran, you are the disaster of the week. I, I don't know. Why, why are people attacking referees? You got tossed, man. Go take a shower. The, I realize it's frustrating. The only on. person I ever saw try and attack a referee was the mother of a guy that I was playing hockey with who opened the door and actively tried to get on the ice after her son. No, she was didn't. It, yes, 100%. This happened to this a happened, team you were on. This happened in Il Bazaar. Oh, my goodness. My old stomping grounds. Luckily, there were other parents around to uh, prevent her from getting onto the ice. But the only thing that I'm just not a fan of in the story, obviously, um, sadly for the team, they have to be punished. Uh, this kid is obviously going to be suspended for at least a, a year, as far as I'm concerned. But people saying he shouldn't play again, or what? It's a very big mistake to make as a teenager. But again, this kid is a teenager. Let's let's relax about ruining the rest of his life based on one unbelievably stupid moment. I'm not ruining the rest of his life. No, no, I'm no, just saying he's the disaster people, of the week. People out there were saying he should never play football again or something to that extent. Okay, let's relax here. The kid made a horrible, horrible mistake. Hopefully he learns from it, but uh, I hope at some point we hear that name in a better context going forward. Let's just say that. Disaster. Yeah, that is a disaster. And you look at you. You're such a sweetheart, all forgiving like that, John Still. I like that. Bro, it's, it's a very nice quality. What, uh, raised in the church like toi. Uh, come on. Forgiveness all the way. I like. I love that. Forgiveness. That's the motto of this show. Forgiveness all the way. Both sides. <laughs> John Forgiveness and, all no, the no, way. I mean, you and I mess up enough during the course of the show that we forgive each other uh, a whole bunch of times. Uh, I just want to take a quick look at the poll results. Uh, which of these post-Patrick Wahab starting goalies was your favorite? Uh, we're taking away Kerry Price, Yaroslav Halak, and Jose Theodore because one of those guys went on a long playoff run or a magical playoff run. Uh, and the other two won Hart and Vesna trophies. Uh, your options at Joey Alfieri and at TSN 690 are Jocelyn Thibault, Jeff Hackett, and Cristobal Huet. 57% of listeners are voting for Cristobal Huet as their favorite post Patrick Waugh goaltender. That uh, is surprising. Jocelyn Thibault is last at 12%. Uh, but that was John Still's favorite, and I always loved Jeff Hackett. Really appreciated uh, Jeff Hackett when he was a member of the Montreal Canadiens. But you can continue to vote uh, at Saturday Sports. Uh, the question of the day, which you can find at Joey Alfieri and at TSN 690. Zorhan Basson is the Impact's newest acquisition. Why did he want to leave the Belgian League to come back home, and what can we expect from him in 2021? He'll join us next. This is Saturday Sports, Joey Alfieri on TSN 690.